Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Philippe Ojeho. And it's just the two of us to kick things off this week. We've given Zach a little bit of a rest. But you've listened to, to Zach and me bang on about the Whitecaps all season long. What to get Felipe back on the show to talk about it? Because the Whitecaps are at the midway point of their season. Another reason we haven't had Felipe or anyone else really on the show the last few weeks is our recording times have been 11pm, midnight. It's not, not conducive, Felipe, really, to having other people on the show that often. <laughs> No, yeah, especially when there are uh, waiting partners in bed, hope, yes. wondering when you're going to go back to sleep. I know, I wake my wife up so many times just because she says, you're really loud. I'm like, I'm not, because I have to amplify me. I'm talking quiet, but she thinks mm. I'm loud. But anyway, we're going to start off in this part by, by looking at the white caps and by looking at how they stand at the midway point of the season. Felipe wrote an article for AFTN that went up on Friday, so check that out on AFTN.ca. The plan was always then to delve into it a little bit more, cover some of the stuff that wasn't covered in the article. But, I mean, just a, a quick thing off the bat, in a like-for-like like basis, the Whitecaps right now, 2023, after 17 games, they're sitting on 22 points from five wins, seven draws, five losses, 27 goals for, 21 goals against. They're sitting seventh in the MLS Western Conference, two points above the playoff line. Compare that to last year. At the stage, they were ninth, two points below the playoff line. They had 21 points, one point worse off, six wins, which was one better, three draws, which was four worse, Eight defeats, which was three worse. 18 goals for, so they've scored nine more this year. And 28 goals against, so they had conceded seven more. I I would say, Felipe, all in all, when you look at that, it's been an improvement. Just a slight one in some categories, but definitely an improvement. And if anything, it could and should be even better. Yeah. 
and and I think that's one of the things when you look at sort of the stats, like like just points and goals for and goals against that when you compare it to last season, it looks like a slight improvement, but you don't think maybe it's that much. But that's why in the article, I went into some of the deeper stats to look that there has been leaps and bounds in a lot of departments. The only issue is that it hasn't sort of, you know, turned into actual tangible things like points, like wins and losses uh, or draws, because that's sort of what's missing from them, especially Mm -hmm. away from home. It's oh. that that away form because at home, uh, barring that or that loss on opening day, they have been in- incredible, really. Yeah, I mean, only home loss of the season. That their home record, they've, they've played ten games, which is a concern for me as well, which we'll get into as we talk about this. But five wins, four draws, one defeat, nineteen points taken from a possible thirty. So they've they've dropped eleven at home. Now, at this time last year, they'd only played eight home games and they had four wins, three draws and one loss. So that was 15 from 24, nine points dropped. But, I mean, taking stats away and just using how it's looked, the eye test, I mean, this feels a far more exciting Whitecaps team and a a more, more solid defensively better at moving the ball in the midfield and a much more different attacking threat. Yeah, I think especially the the midfield for me has been the most impressive part ever since changing from the 3-4-2-1 to the Christmas tree formation now with a midfield three. Bringing in Julian Gressel has made, the like I think, transformed the team, really. Just the way that he has been in, in the attack and the build-up and construction. Uh, I think... Defensively, especially after the shaky start that they had, where in the first three, four games, people were questioning about, you know, zonal marking because they were conceding these sort of avoidable goals. I think they've shaped up since then. They've only maybe slipped up maybe twice in MLS play, the games against St. Louis and Portland away. But for the most part, they've been pretty solid. What uh, for me has been letting them down the most is their attack. It's not even just getting into the box and creating those chances because they're actually really good at that. It's finishing the chances that have been harming them. Because, I mean, you look at uh, Brian White. I know this is J.J. Adams' favorite topic. Brian White is the number first in expected goals in the league right now. He had with 8.3, but he's only scored six goals. You look at some of the other players in across the league, like Carranza, Hani Mukhtar, Jordan Morris, Gazdag, Jesus Ferreira, Giomakis, all of these forwards slash attacking midfielders, they have more goals with way less XG. So I think that's the part that has been sort of letting them down a bit because they should be higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I was going to say I've got a love-hate relationship with expected goals. I, I don't love it at all. I just have a hate relationship with it. But I know <laughs> it's something that that people go on. And, and you touched about this in your article. Now, I mean, looking at the goals for... So they have scored nine more goals through the first 17 games. Breaking it down, I find it interesting that last year and this year, 10 goal scorers at this point of the season, in both seasons. But you look at the goals and it's like, Cava had five last year to lead the team. Then it was a drop to Gold, White, 
Raposo and Ricketts all had two. This year, you've got White with six, Betcher with four, you've got Gold, Gressel and Vite all with three. So we're getting, we are getting that output from the team that maybe wasn't there or was a bit of a struggle last year. But the expected goals, as much as I don't give too much stock to it, my eye test to that does show the same thing, like they are creating the chances. So I keep trying to tell myself that's a positive, but you've got to start taking these chances when you get into the second half of the season. And, I mean, your breakdown of all this expected goals and goals per 90 and stuff was very interesting, I felt. Yeah, because, I mean, one of the things you got to understand with expected goals is that if you actually break down, because I took a, a course on this, if you break down expected goals, a lot of the shots that you think are easy and that players are like, oh, that's that must be like an XG of, if one is a certain goal, that must be an XG of 0.7 is actually like 0.25 because there's so many factors oh. that you don't think about it that go into it. So you're right in XG is one way to look at it. It's sort of deceptive. It's this, I feel like a lot of people use it as like a fad right now. They love the, yeah, the word it, it XG. definitely is the end thing because they're even yeah. referencing it on the broadcasts now. And it's like, wow, that's never happened before. Exactly. And it's a good, it's a good metric for some things. But you also have to consider you the context around it because it's context sensitive. You say that, you know, the team right now has more goal scores. There are more goals from the players, they're a bit more consistent, but still they ha they're not reaching their XG. Even though their finishing is technically better than last season, the issue is that they're having way more chances this season comparative to last season. And so with way more chances you're supposed to be scoring more goals and they're not, even though relative to last year, they're scoring more goals. So I think that's one of the things that you have to try to, to consider is like, you know, go, especially even goals per 90 goals per 90 is another good metric. But the thing is that it considers how much a player gets a certain number of, you know, interceptions or goals or whatever per 90 minutes. What isn't accounted in that, that you have to think about is if a player plays one match, and he play, and he does and he scores a hat trick. He has a goal per ninety of three, which he automatically puts him first in the table. Yeah. So he, I mean, you look at Betcher's strike rate per minutes played, and it's like phenomenal. Exactly. But he hasn't played that many minutes. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think you got to try to put into context with Brian White. He has such a high XG, and he's played a lot. So it's sort of the things where it's. Yes, he's scoring goals. He's has six goals, which I think is already two better than he had all of last season. I think he only had four goals last season. So he's doing better, but it's but now he's had more chances to score than last season. And he has been, honestly, I would say unlucky a lot of times. I've seen how many times he's glanced the crossbar, just put it over, just put it wide. Little moments of indecision, but he is getting in those positions. But at the end of the day, it's can you finish your chances? That's what put puts numbers on the board. That's what gives you, you know, points at the very end. It's what affects the result come the final whistle. So it's great, but you have to understand the kind of uh, context around these stats if you want to try to include them. Because I understand why people don't really like them. Because mm. you can watch a game and the stats will comp tell a completely different story. And you'd be like, this is rubbish. This has nothing to do with what I saw, at least in the way I interpreted it. But 
the stats do have something to say. You just have to know sort of how to read them. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that people may need to to try to do a bit more. Because I can't remember now who the coach was earlier in the season who had come out after losing a game going, well, we won the game on XG. Oh, I remember that. And it's yeah. like, well, that really doesn't matter because you've lost the game and you've got no points from it. Your stats can show whatever you want. And I mean, that doesn't matter. But I mean, moving away from the stats, though, although before we move away, I'll give you this other stat and then we'll delve into this. I, I want to talk about more what's behind the fact that we're not taking these chances. So last year, I thought this was interesting. At this stage of the season, the Whitecaps had had 183 shots over their 17 games. This season, 245 shots over their 17 games. That's a huge increase. 53 of those shots were on goal last year. 82 shots on goal at this stage this year. So we're getting the chances. The stats say it. The eye test shows it. We know we're getting the chances. The players know that they're getting the chances. So why aren't they being converted? Is it we need to have some different strikers? Better strikers, for want of a better word? Or is that just too simplistic a way to look at it? I think there's a lot of factors that go into it because, I mean, one of the biggest things that I'm sure we're going to talk about more at length in the future is we brought in a, a big DP number nine to score the goals who has yet to score a goal this season. That's the huge question mark that is on everyone's mind mm. right now for the Whitecaps. Brian White, like I said, in all departments but goals scored, even though he has scored six, he's an incredible striker. The way that he presses, the way that he links up, the chances he creates, the space that he takes to open up uh, avenues for other players, the positions he put himself in to try to score – He's very good. It's just that finishing touch. And is it a case of we need better strikers? I think at this point, it's a bit of a mentality issue. I think Brian is sort of starting to get out of it now because he's scoring a bit more consistently. I think Cordoba is very much a mentality issue. It's just, you know, when you get in your head, it's those moments, those fractions of a second that you need to try to be decisive to score a goal, especially at a high level in MLS. That if you're not, if you're psyched out, if you're not on it 100%, you're going to miss most of your chances. It's that cutting edge. And I feel like with with the team right now, you know, you said that we have uh, uh, 240 shots, I think you said. 245 shots. 245 shots. Which is like, wow. Yeah, but I, I checked also the stats on the conversion rate of how many of how many percentage of those shots on target, uh, of the shots are on target. And in the league... Vancouver Whitecaps are in the bottom five. So they have a lot of shots. They just can't keep it down. They can't keep it on target, which again, maybe it's an issue of quality. Maybe that's something that we, that team would want to go and look into, try to bring maybe somebody else in that is a proven goal scorer, maybe work around Cordova's contract in the summer, try to buy him down from that DP. I think that would help him a lot, maybe with the pressure and bring yeah. in somebody else who from outside, who is just that fox in the box, cool, calm, you know, vicious uh, striker. Because I think that's the missing piece right now for the Whitecaps. If they would have had that from the start, I think they would be pushing Seattle and and, and LAFC right now to, to and St. Louis as well in those top yeah. three positions. I mean, they, I think they would definitely be higher than, than the seventh that, that they are. 
because, I mean, you look at the draws, seven draws this year, it just takes a little bit more clinical finish in front of goal to turn even half of those into a victory. And you're really looking at the top end of the table and you're not looking over your shoulder. Because right now, their wiggle room is is small. It's two points above the line and you've got some teams now that are starting to, to make inroads. You've got Kansas City that's kind of going up the, the table. I watched the Houston LAFC game midweek. I don't know if you saw that or not. but I saw the highlights. Yeah. Wow. That yeah. was... I was did like not see Houston team. going there and doing that. Yeah, no, I didn't see any of that at all. It was like a completely different Houston team and also a completely different LAFC team. I almost felt like they swapped, they swapped jerseys yeah. at the start of the match. I mean, as I touched on it last week, I mean, it, it's, it's too simplistic to say it's just a Champions League hangover, but it looks like losing that, that they'd put so much effort into it, it's just left them flat for a bit. And like we've seen it before... Uh, with the Whitecaps coming off a big victory or whatever, and then it, it's been a tough run. But when when you've put so much into winning that and making history for your club, and then you're probably going into that second leg thinking, oh, this is ours now, and then they don't win it, they they just look like something's hit them. But I think it also shows their weakness in that defensively they've always been susceptible if teams attack them or play the kind of game that, that's a struggle. And you, you watch Houston going and getting a road win like that and then bringing it back to the Whitecaps. What is wrong with the Whitecaps? How can they not get a win on the road? They're, they're away record. They've played seven games on the road. No wins. Three draws. Four defeats. Three points taken from 21. Now, last year... They'd played nine road games by this point, and it was two wins, no draws, and seven losses. So they've kind of found a way to get some points here and there, at least. But if they cannot get points on the road, the best they can hope for is to be seventh, eighth, ninth, you would think, in the Western Conference. And then this brings back to something I touched on earlier. My concern in all of this is we've played 10 games at home. We've only got seven home games left. So there's 10 road games coming up. So if we cannot find a way to win, how do they get these points that they're going to need? What are you putting it down to? What are you seeing that is different on the road? That, or what do they need to tweak, do you feel, to start to get these points coming? I mean, it's it's tough to try to break it down properly because I mean we've asked these questions to the players and to Coach Vanny. No one seems to know, (laughs) and and even then they're like, "Well, if we knew, we'd fix it." And it's just like, "Well, we have to ask either way because everyone is, you know, if if the coach is confused, if the players are confused, imagine how media and the fans are. So I don't, you know, it's not as easy to to pinpoint, but I think it's obviously the atmosphere plays a factor. Mm -hmm. They feel more comfortable at home. They have the crowd behind them the mentality of that is a big big part but also i feel like with the white caps their style of play now is so not necessarily even possession heavy though they have improved in their possession a lot more compared to last season but it's about being decisive and efficient in possession and when teams are away from home they tend to sit back a bit more and allow the white caps to do that 
hoping to break and then and then hit them in transition. That's sort of the mentality for most teams, unless you're like, you know, maybe LAFC has shown in the Champions League that they come here and they just run the show. But for most cases, the away team will kind of sit back a bit and allow Whitecaps to grow into it. Away from home, the home team has the confidence, has the backing, has that extra bit of edge, and so they will pressure a lot more. And the Whitecaps maybe struggle to ha- to be as decisive and efficient in their possession as they usually are. And we've seen games where they've started slow, where they've conceded early, like against Portland. And those games are the ones that you look at and be like, okay, how do we start strong? And not just strong, because you can have possession, but it's what you do with it. And teams that uh, away from home are much better at making sure that they make that last ditch tackle they they do that that stellar block because it'll get a rise out of the crowd because they're at home it, it's that extra bit of that passion i guess you could pick it down to i think for the white caps they have to find a way to maybe tweak the way they play because i don't really see all that much a plan b for the white caps and i think that's a big thing is that for the white caps right now they play really good football when they can play it when they can't play it they tend to go direct a lot and like over the top balls which sometimes works but brian white isn't that big of a guy he's not the one that can win the ball against six foot four six foot five defenders so a lot of times you're hoping for runners to go in but gold isn't necessarily the quickest pedrita is pretty fast and your wingbacks as well i mean javain's pretty fast luis martin's not much but that's expecting a lot to have your wingers mm-hmm. or wingbacks and your tens that always do those runs in behind when that isn't really their game. They're, the game is getting up to Brian, Brian holding up the play, waiting for other players to come in, then do that one-touch football all around until they can get the ball into the box through a cross or through a pass and then try to score. Away from home, that's not working. And I feel like they need to find a different way to adapt to situations where they're not the big dogs. They're not the ones that can dominate possession. They're not the ones that can control the match, even without possession, because there's you can control a match even if you don't have possession. They need to find a way to adapt to that. And I feel like that's been missing, and they've been sort of relying on individual moments, like Simon Betcher, that, that insane equalizer he had in Minnesota. All of these kind of last-minute moments, last kind of hurrahs that have saved them are all well and good. You need to be lucky to do well in this league. But you also need to make sure that you have something planned if things go wrong. And I think that's the most sort of thing. Sometimes we've seen it. I mean, I think last game uh, they went 3-4-2-1 again and it went pretty well. Maybe having that as a backdrop and knowing how to fix that so they don't have the same issues of last year as a way to adjust. That way they're maybe not as predictable. That can maybe give a bit of fresh air to the team. And so that when they go away from home, the home team doesn't know what they're up against. They don't, ex- they can't expect it. And yeah. that surprise factor can help them out to, to nick a goal early. And then they can go back and try to defend it or counter and then get a second goal, right? It's, it's about starting off well away from home. And if you don't do that, more of the times you're going to suffer. Tying in with that, I, I looked into the, the stats about when goals were being scored, like who was scoring first, and if you're leading at the half, behind at the half. Now, interestingly, when the Whitecaps concede first, they've not won a game all season. 
And for a lot of our away games, the home team in this case then comes out in the front foot and takes the game to Vancouver. So it feels like if they give up this first goal, especially on the road, that there's no coming back. They've also, if they're trailing at the half, never been able to turn that around and get a win all season. So, I mean, these are things that they need to work upon as well. But when when I speak to Axel, I'm going to also ask him about are they maybe needing to look at doing things a little bit differently now for travelling? Because they've done things before. They've looked at all the things like when they should travel, how long they should get in, everything like that. If what they're doing isn't working on the pitch, do they need to look at things off the pitch? Is that going to make things a, a little bit different? I mean, there's no easy answer for it. But no other team has, I mean, other teams have been struggling on the road, but no other team's been struggling as much as the, the Whitecaps have. To go over a year without a win on the road is relying far too much on what you can do at home. And they've mm. just been so fortunate that since they've returned to, to BC Place, I think they were the first of the second team in all of MLS and all the games since they returned that August in, in terms of points taken at home. And when you look at the points that they've dropped at home and the fact now that they're not doing it on the the road, you look at these two recent draws with Sporting and Cincinnati. And yes, Cincinnati, when it's an Eastern team, it doesn't look as bad. But I mean, last season, when the team didn't make the playoffs, you could look back and pinpoint a couple of drop points here and there to like Colorado, Minnesota, that were huge. Now... It's already in your mind, oh, if they don't make the playoffs, these points dropped in these back-to-back home games could be massive for them. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at, like you said, the they haven't won away from home. In the entirety of the MLS right now this season, only three teams haven't won uh, away from home. And two of them and are Canadian. I was going <laughs> to say two's Canadian, so maybe, that, maybe that's got and, something to do with it. Yeah, Toronto and... And Vancouver, and, and the, the last one, I believe, is... Um, let me double check. Yeah, I'd looked at this the other day. Uh, well. New York City FC. Yes, that's the last that one. was it, because I thought that's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, so uh, New York City FC is the last one. So Vancouver Whitecaps, yeah, something something is up with it, and you don't really know what to expect. But yeah, like you said, the rest of the season, they have more away matches and home matches. They have... Um, three straight away games next yeah. against Colorado. Who Which, I mean, you've great. got to, you've got to look at that game though and think if they're going to get a win, it's against this Colorado team, exactly. especially with two players sent off in the last game. Yeah, and Colorado are very much a team that where they have had results recently is like just hitting long, just going to root one football and hope. And I think that should be pretty easy for the Whitecaps to to deal with. I mean, they've shown against Mon- Montreal, they kind of switched off on that goal in the in the CanChamp final with that kind of ball. So it's not like they're impenetrable, but it should be pretty easy. And I think they have more opportunity than with any other team to play that game that they can play. And I think yeah. that can be a turning point for them. I, I think it can as well. But I also think if they don't get something from this game, that can be a turning point in the other way because they're going to be like, we just can't buy a win. And then you look at who's coming up. And I think in the psyche-wise, just mentality, if they don't get a win in Colorado, I think that it could be massive for them. 
Yeah, and especially when you consider LAFC as as the game afterwards, and then Sporting Kansas City, who's having a bit of a resurgence as well. Yeah, then they may have a little run at home before that horrendous. We're away from BC Place. I think we've got like one game in about two and a bit months. Yes, because of the league's cup. Because of the league's cup messes everything up. Yeah, it's it's a long time to be away, which also is a long time to keep fans interested and to, to get the attendance and build on any buzz that you've got when you're then not there and the games aren't on the TV either because a lot of these games in this period aren't going to be on TSN so it's kind of uh, something else I'll ask Axel about it's an out of sight, out of mind kind of situation uh, attendance wise the average at this point last year for the home games was 16,239 the average this year is 15,978. So it's 261 less, which isn't gr- massive in the in the grand scheme of things. It's pretty much the same as it was last year, which is interesting because it's a much better team and product on the pitch this year. But yeah, as you yeah. did point out in your article, you take away those two big home wins and it has been a bit of a grind in the others. Yes. And that's that's one of the things that I think, again, if you look at stats and just look at stats and not look at context, you have a different story of what, what actually could be told because 11 goals across two games, as incredible as that is, you take that away and they're averaging just over one goal per game. I think it's 1.06, which is in the lower third of the league. So they have been sort of fortunate. I don't want to say fortunate because they played well in those games, mm-hmm. but those games sort of have glossed over what is a bigger issue for the Whitecaps, which is scoring the goals. They're creating the chances, right? Like I said in the article, Julian Gressel is in the top three in chances, in big chances created. But they can't score, even though they're getting there. They have their second overall most touches in the penalty area in the league, third overall per 90. Uh, they, like I said, they have the fifth most shots uh on target per 90, but just in comparison to the volume, it's, they're not getting there enough with the chances they're creating. And I feel like that's what's been sort of letting them down. And you take those two games away in the Canadian Championship final, and you see a rather sort of, I don't want to say lukewarm, but maybe uh, not as, as hot as you would think, looking at the stats of a season that the Whitecaps have had. Again, should yeah. they be better? Yes, because of how well they've played. But the fact of the matter is that they haven't. No, uh, unfortunately they haven't. But they, they do need to to find a way to improve those areas. We'll take a look at how that might come about. We'll take a look at how they're stacking up in some other areas at the halfway point and how we think the second half of the season might go. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN, Irish band Therapy. That is a song taken from their second mini-album, released in January 1992. The album is called Pleasure Death. That was track number four of six, called Prison Breaker. That was the first album I bought from the band. Still play it regularly to this day. It's a fantastic one. It's more more thrashy, more punky than their, their later stuff. And, I mean, their more modern stuff it is definitely more melodic. But, yeah, that kicks off this part. Let's get back to the Whitecaps chat now, though. Felipe and I are right in the middle of our Whitecaps 2023 MLS mid-season review. There's been highs, there's been lows, there's been positives, there's been things that, that need to be improved upon. As you'd expect pretty much from, from every team at, at this stage of the season. Going back to the goal scoring then, we've got to talk about Sergio Cordova. Now, the last game against Cincinnati was his best game uh, as a white cap. I think most folk thought that watching on. The hope is he's starting to get maybe a little bit of sharpness back or getting that fitness. I was disappointed that he didn't play in the WFC 2 game on Thursday night. I thought that's an ideal chance. Get some more minutes for him. Maybe get a goal or two, get that confidence going. Do you feel they should be doing that with him? What's the secret going to be to unlock him? He was a bit of a streaky guy last year. Is it just, is he going to be like Brian White and he just needs that goal, get that monkey off the back? Ryan Gold can't stop him scoring now, albeit three of them are from the spot, but still goals are goals, but we'll come to that. What is it going to take to get Cordova scoring? I don't, that's a tough thing, because like I said before, it's a mentality issue at this point, because, I mean, I spoke to him just as he was coming back from injury in an interview, and he said uh, that, you know, he's 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 in for it. He's, he's, he's committed, he wants to do well for the team, he wants to play, he wants to score, but maybe it's his own sort of imposter syndrome, maybe, when the game starts... You can see uh, up until the Cincinnati game that the way that he starts is a bit lumbersome, cumbersome. Like he maybe he's not yeah. running as much as you would think he would. And that's not really what you want when your competition is Brian White, who works as hard as anyone in the league, right? He's and defensively in the pressures that he does. He reminds me of Roberto Firmino in his prime at Liverpool. Just he would always try to win the ball up early. Cordova, he, I think he means well. I think he does care. I, I don't think, you know, I've seen people say, oh, he doesn't care. He, he looks and he plays like he doesn't care about this club. I think he does. I think it's just, you know, he had that injury when he was starting to get a little bit into it. I think it's plagued him a bit. Just knowing, just speaking to him, he's, he's soft-spoken. He's kind of reserved, a little shy. So maybe he... It's easily it's easy for him to get in his head. I think what he needs is he needs any kind of goal. If it yeah. goes in, 
off his head, his back, his butt, his thigh. It does not matter. He needs just that bit of luck to to get that goal. I think the biggest part is that he has been unlucky. And I'm not saying that as an excuse. I've watched some of the games, or I've watched all of the games, but some of the games that he's been in, and a lot of the time, it's just that final ball that's missing. He's in a great spot, and the cross goes askew or gets blocked. And you can see he's frustrated. He's frustrated. Even in the last game, Brian White had a beautiful opportunity to just pass it in, but instead he miscontrolled it and chipped it over the 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 goal, and Cordova went on his hands and knees. Oh, I see. I never noticed that because I was so busy watching White, and I never noticed that Cordova was like inside him. Yeah, it was. It was an easy pass and it was an easy tap. And if he would have scored that, it would have been different, especially at home in front of the Southsiders. Yeah. It would have been incredible. But he's just been unlucky. And I think luck can be such a parasite in a in a player's mentality. When if it's if you don't get the rub of the green, then it's gonna weigh heavy on you. And I think he just needs that lucky break. Because, yeah, he is sort of being a streaky striker. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, if he does it towards the end of the season, if he, let's say, oh, scores yeah. five or six goals in the, you know, in the next 10, 12 games, especially with most of them away, by the end of the season, you would say, okay, well, that that was maybe not worth a DP tag, but that's worth him being here. I think that's what he needs is just, especially now, now it's a turning point of the season. You have the Leaks Cup on the horizon. You have the... Which you have to think he's going to get the starts in that because oh, they're yeah. going to want to think, right, here's a chance for you to, to go and do something. Yeah, though, I guess facing the Champions League winners in Leon might be a tall ask for him, but... Well, that That's true. And the Galaxy's a, a more hopeful thing, but it's away from home, so who knows? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know, but I, I think for him, it's just it just comes down to luck and if he keeps working yeah. as hard as he did against Cincinnati then he can sort of create your own luck because I do yeah. believe you can create your own luck and he will create better luck that way if he works as hard as he did on Cincinnati, uh, against Cincinnati so I wouldn't be surprised if he continues that sort of performance if he does if he scores in the next game or two maybe three games I, I was impressed more by him in that Cincinnati game but with what he can bring but you touched on it before, that DP tag, and we've spoken about it for so many players over the years, it's just a weight round their neck. I liked your idea. If they can buy him down off that and free up that spot, that might take a little bit of the pressure off him. I think what also adds the pressure to him is you've got Betcher that's come in, has found four MLS goals. You've got Levante Johnson that's come in and has done well. And talking to Levante, sixth goal on Thursday night for WFC2 and a beautiful goal. The footwork yeah, what was a fantastic. Goal that was. Oh, that says four call-ups used. So the Whitecaps now have to take a call. Do they give him an MLS deal in the summer? Do they wait until next year? He's definitely getting an MLS deal. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. when they give it to him. I, I was surprised that they didn't use the chance to have him on the bench, at least for Cincinnati, because you've called him up just have him there at least but would you give it to him now and if if the Whitecaps did that you're looking at roster spots and, and things like that just now is that where this team is needing to really strengthen just now and is he the guy to be the guy to strengthen the front line 
I think as much of a great player he is, and he's showing that in WFC too, for him and his development, I think it would be better to wait until next year, give him that full season with WFC two, the same way that sort of Simon Betcher had it, and to kind of get that experience. And then next season, he can have the full preseason with the team, have that contract given, and then start to compete in the same way Simon is this year. I think the way that they handled Simon is the way they should handle Levante. If you give him to a contract now, it's fantastic for him and it'll be a great opportunity for him. But also immediately he starts to get that pressure where people will stop looking at, at him as like, oh, look at this WFC2 call-up who's doing well. And, other, and then he'll turn into the way mm. that... Some fans look at other players, which is, unfortunately, they kind of see them as salary bags. Yeah, Like, this person is taking up this much salary. What's his output? They kind of see this kind of almost capitalistic yeah. I mean, I, I'm really bad for that. I do that constantly. Yeah. And and that's a way that everyone does it, right? Yeah. I feel and bad so, for doing it, but it's like, uh, it's something I always look at. It's like, well, he's getting that and he's not doing this. Exactly. And, and no, it's a viable way of looking at things because that's the way the MLS is set up with salary caps and stuff like that. So you put that on him, then he becomes another squad player and then he gets that added pressure. And if he doesn't have a start like Simon did, and he also starts to play some games, doesn't score goals, then the pressure is going to be on. Yeah, he's going to be you know a, a probably supplemental roster or or something like that he's not going to be all that much but he's still going to have expectations towards him oh yeah, but, yeah right you, you now, could have an absolutely fantastic cheap front two of Betcher and Johnson that would be probably raking in under 200,000 yeah which financially great but yeah. could you imagine the pressure on those two to try to you know give that output to put Vancouver Whitecaps in the playoffs ho- hopefully in a home leg and and going as far as you can, you can't expect that from somebody who is this is our first MLS season proper, and then somebody who's just came into the whole MLS enterprise. So I feel like for him, he needs more time to look, grow and learn. It's great that he's having these opportunities with the first team. I think wait, give him that contract next year when he's grown a little bit more, when he has a bit more confidence, he's more used to the sort of philosophy uh, at the club. And then see what happens, because if Simon keeps growing and Levante keeps growing, then maybe in two years, that will be your front two. And you won't have to look abroad. And you just have these two homegrown players that are doing really well. You know, if they do well, will they stay in the league? Probably not. Probably Europe is the ambition for everyone. But it's a possibility. But for right now, I would hold off on that. Still buy down, you know, a Cordova's contract. You have that cap space from uh uh um Dahomey yeah that they that they lost as well as Christian Gutierrez who they waived bring in another striker but someone who I think is like proper fox in the box scorer because you have a hard-working striker in Brian White you have a wonderful super sub in Simon Betcher Cordova I don't know where to put him right now we'll we'll leave him out for now you need that last person who is just decisive, who from from the start can score goals when he give, when he's given opportunities. Put him and Brian White together in, in a two-striker formation or have White play that 10. White will work hard as well with Gold, and they'll both create chances for that number nine to score. And then that's your attacking play. That's what you rely on. 
And I think that can go that much farther. So I would personally be looking at a striker who maybe isn't the most hardworking, as maybe White is, but who, if you look at their goals per game ratio and that they are experienced at a senior level, they are proven goal scorers. Bring that kind of player in, and I think it'll change the season for the Whitecaps. You highlighted your your three top performers of the season in the article, and I think it's hard to to disagree with them. It's Gold, Gressel, and Kubis. Now, Ryan Burns, in reply to it, did make a, a good point about Gold, which is he's got four goals now, and it's four straight, but three of them have been from the penalty spot. And I would be hypocritical if I didn't say I was very critical of Pedro Morales because so many of his goals came from the penalty spot when he was here. It's great that Gold is scoring, but we need to get those open play goals. He's got four assists on the year as well across all competitions. That's good, but again, we need more to come from him. But I think we're definitely seeing a different Ryan Gold now than two months ago. He's got that swagger back, he's got the confidence, and I think he's just going to push on from this now. Yeah, definitely. And I think that is something that I will hold my hands up and and admit that I missed kind of highlighting. That as good as Gold has been playing, and I still would, even considering, put him in my top three, three have come from penalties. And if you look at his XG outside of that, it's not fantastic. And I think that is part of, yeah, the the Ryan Gold that we saw in the first, I would say, maybe seven, six or seven games was a shadow of the Gold that we know, what yeah. he can be. But I think especially in the last three, four games, he has really shown, like, I even last game, I was stunned at his dribbling ability, the way he can just shake off and, and go past defenders it made me think of if this is the ryan gold of old when he was in scotland when they were calling him the scottish messi and the way that he could just drop a shoulder and and leave his defender in the dust so yes he hasn't had the best of starts but i feel like this is a new ryan gold we might be getting the best out of ryan gold that we might have ever seen uh since he's come to the whitecaps and if he continues this way it's at a perfect time because now in the back half of the season with so many away games, you need a player of his quality to step up because that's what you expect from a DP. You look at all the other teams that with their DPs, right? You look at Hani Mukhtar for Nashville, uh, Giamakis for, for Atlanta. These players are scoring goals, doing what they came here to do. Yeah. Ryan Gold isn't necessarily a goal scorer. He's more of a creator. So maybe goals isn't what we need to see, but yeah, much more assists. And I feel like if you get that, then you're like, okay, this is the Ryan Gold that not only we expect, but we need, especially right now. It also ties in as well, though. If the strikers had been taking some of these chances, Gold would have had a few more assists on the, on the board as well because it's been his balls. And if it hasn't been his, it's been Julian Gressel's who... For me, I mean, you, you said for you, Kubis is probably your player this season so far. Yeah. I can't look beyond Julian. It's just, he's playing at DP levels right now. And I don't know if he gets rewarded here with a, a contract that would maybe be on offer at one of the other clubs. I could definitely see another club saying, hey, we'll make you a DP. Yeah. And I think it's a very tough place for the Whitecaps because... Like you said, Gressel is being 
definitely, I think he probably will be player of the season, at least on, on based on first on the first half. He is the player of the season, I think, overall. Um, but the Whitecaps, I don't think can not waste, but I don't think they can afford to use up that DP spot if they buy down Cordova on another midfielder, because no. then that's two midfielders and attacking midfielder and in, in, in gold. And then up front, what do you really have? Yeah. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that if they can strike a deal with Julian, it'll be as a Tam player. They'll have him bought down. He'll still have a really good salary. If he has a good gold cup, the offers are going to be like flying around from teams in the league. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting one. And Kubis obviously has been fantastic because you've written about him before and talked about him. I just want to wrap up by looking at a couple of the more negative sides of things. And one of them is defensively goals against. And this is actually another thing that Ryan had brought up in his comment to your article. Since the clean sheet run ended, the team's conceded in every game. Um, it, it, they still look good defensively, I think, but I, I don't know that the way that they're playing is enough defensively to get them into where they want to be end of season playoff wise. Scott Kennedy, we kind of half mentioned it in last week's show but then more stuff came out this week that he's open to an MLS move do you feel the team needs to make some adjustments at the back would you like to see another centre-back coming in if a DP spot opened up a DP centre-back would that be something you'd like to see come in again it's as I think it would be great to bring in somebody like Scott Kennedy but what is really hurting the Whitecaps right now is goal scoring. I think if you're going to bring another DP, it has to be in the attack. But that being said, I think Scott Kenny would be a welcome addition. I think he is a very good player. He, he did pretty well considering he was in a relegation uh, team in Germany. And I think he would slot in relatively easily in the way that he likes to, to pass. Like uh, he he's a defender who knows how to pass and and keep the the ball moving, but I think the biggest issue right now for the Whitecaps defensively is and I don't I know this goes against some of the things I was saying before is the style of defending that they're doing right now I think is the issue because if you look at some of the stats from the defenders, you know Blackman he is I mean. Defensively, Whitecaps are middle across the board. In player stats and in team stats, I looked at all of them. They're just in the middle out of all of MLS. Blackman's actually in the top 25 in forward passes and long passes, top 15 in passes until final third attacking. He's really, really good because both him and Ranko do those direct balls into Gold, into Vite or White when he's playing 10, at times at Cordova when he's playing the 9. That's that's how they sort of start the attack. They kind of jumpstart the attack that way. Defensively, though, they are a bit lacking, especially for a team that likes to defend zonally. Because when you're defending zonally, you're not going to go out there and press and press and press and press necessarily. You are going to try to stay in your shape so that when balls come in, you're going to head the ball away, clear the ball, intercept the ball, block shots. So you expect a team to to def- and that's defending that way to have 
one of the higher stats in shots blocked, interceptions, uh, clearances, but they're not. They're actually, this is the one thing I looked at that I looked at after I wrote the article that I wish I could have put in. They are at bottom of the league in passes per defensive action, which I will, that sounds big, but I will, I will explain it. So what that means is how many passes do you allow the attacking team, if you're defending, in your half, really it's 60% of the pitch, in your 60% of the pitch, before you try to clear the ball, intercept the ball, attempt to tackle, any defensive action. The Whitecaps are the worst. They allow something like, I think it's 31, I think. Uh, no, sorry. The 16.2 um, passes per defensive action per 90. That's what it was. 16.2. The league average is 11.09. So they're allowing a lot more passes per defensive action per 90 than any other team. And what that means, and I think it's mostly from when they're away from home, they're allowing the team to grow and build in their half. And that's where teams are most dangerous. And if you're going to allow that, you have to have a super strong back line that can do away with any danger that's being put into the box, whether it's crosses, passes, whatever you have at shots. The Whitecaps aren't doing that. They're middle of the pack. So if you're allowing that many passes per defensive action, you're the worst in the league, and you're not in the upper half or in the top 10 for these defensive actions in the box, then I think there's where there's a bit of disconnect. There's where there's a bit of issue. It's the style of defending. Yes, players have had their moments. Laborda has been shaky at times. Uh, Javane Brown has had one or two sort of nightmare moments. Even Ranko and Blackman. But they've also had really good moments. Blackman has had some a couple of man-of-the-match performances in the defense. Mm -hmm. So I think... It's not necessarily the personnel. It's the way that they are defending away from home where it's a bit of an issue. That's why I mentioned that they have to maybe change the way they play when they're away from home. Because while at home, that's fine for, to allow the team occasionally to play in your half. You can do away with any issues. Away from home, that's where a team thrives. That's where a team wants to be. And you're allowing them to. And if you're not at your tippy-top best... You're inviting them to go and score the goals that they have been scoring, especially ever since the shutout streak. Two last things to to talk to you about. Formation then. What do you think is should the formation be going into the second half of the season? For, for most of the first half, it's been a four at the back and either a three three two one or a three one two occasionally, but mostly a four three two one Christmas tree. There's been a couple of dabbles with three at the back. And last season, that didn't work very good. But would you like to see the four at the back continue? Or do you think to get what you're looking for defensively to maybe try and go for three at the back? I mean, I think it's with the formation that they have right now, it sort of does play a three at the back. Even when they're four at the back, when they're attacking they have one of the wingbacks go way up, have one of the eights kind of cover the space, but still be in the midfield, and then one of the other wingbacks tuck in. Changing that to a three-back, I don't know if that'll change much of it. 
I don't know necessarily if the formation it will help them because Kuas and the way that he sort of plays, he's a player that will drop back at times to pick up the ball in possession and he'll stay in that area. So he'll almost be an advanced defender when there's just the two center backs. At the same time, he will go beyond the eights and the tens to go pressure the ball. He is the one exception to what I said before. He pressures the ball like a bloodhound. He is the one that is given license to go and hunt for a possession. I think it's not necessarily as much about the formation, but it's the playing style that they have to fix on away from home. Because, yeah, you can play five at the back, technically three at the back with two wingbacks away from home to try to get a result. But I think you sacrifice a bit of your attacking prowess and that's the one thing that they have especially in the midfield they're passing how progressive they are i think you need to try to find a way to work with the 4321 because it works but have a different plan than the one they have right now both offensively and defensively when things aren't going right if a change of uh, formation to a 3421 will facilitate that then sure but i don't think the focus is primarily on changing the formation i think the focus should be primarily on on developing a backup plan when things go left mm. no that's that's fair because it does as you mentioned plan b sometimes doesn't really seem to exist or if when it does it seems a weird one so just to round up then the white caps chat the way that things are tracking at the moment based on home games left away games left the Caps could even be on for having less wins than they they did last season. How do you see the second half playing out for them? Do you see this team, A, making the playoffs, B, making it into the top seven, and then C, if they do get there, how do you see them doing? I think a lot will rest on the next six games before the League's Cup. Because I'm going to see the League's Cup in the same way as I see, uh, I saw the World Cup for the European seasons. It's not just a break; it's a restart. It's almost like a second, a second half of the season in its entirety. The same sort of thing, I think, with the Leagues Cup because of how big it is. The next six games are crucial for the White Caps because it's three away games, three home games. If they can get seven points at home, because they're facing uh, Seattle, Austin, and LA they can get seven to nine points at home, then that's great. That's on par with with what they've been doing. But it's the three away matches that they need to at least get five, if not seven points from as well to put them in that position. Because on the top of their game, I genuinely think the Whitecaps could give the top three a run for their money. It's more about whether they can hone that across 90 not just at home but away from home so in the second half of the season if they get good positive results from the next six games forget about league's cup for a second and then if the 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 rest of the half i think they have a good basis then to kick on and sort of see out the rest of the season because of they sort of have done not all the hard work but i would say most of the hard work by that point you know, you obviously you still have September and a bit of October, but still, it, it you've done three and two thirds of, of the season at that point. You should be in a good position. So I think those six games are going to be crucial. 
if they do well and they go into a top seven position, like you said, I think that they can go past the first round. I think they can go to a conference semifinals. And if it's they play as well as they can, wouldn't be surprised if they go to a conference final. It's just about whether they can hone that home form and find a way to adapt and fix their waveform to to reach those heights. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone is cautiously hopeful that the Whitecaps are going to be in the playoffs. Top seven is ideally what they're looking for. You don't want to be in that play-in game. And the higher up you can go, you're going to have more home games as well in, in this best of three first round. So, but we'll see how all that goes. Thank you for joining us on the, the show today, Felipe, to delve into all of that Whitecaps stuff. It's not just Whitecaps, of course, that you cover. You also cover the CPL and we'll get you back on to chat about Vancouver FC's probably halfway point of the season when we, we get to that as well. But but for now, let everyone know where they can find your stuff online and where they can also listen to your stuff online. Yeah, I mean, you can catch my personal Twitter, which is at FelipeV underscore FC. But you can also listen to me on my new podcast that I have with Mike Rice, who's another writer prominent in BC. We have a CPL podcast called Coast to Coast FC, where we go and talk about the games every week in a little roundup. And we also have special guests. We just had Sean Young from Pacific. Uh, we had Patrice Geyser a couple of weeks ago. And we're planning to do a, ro- a lot of really special episodes highlighting clubs and players. And it's all really exciting. So if you can head on over uh, to our Twitter. Um, we're also on Reddit and Instagram at Coast to Coast FC. You'll see a lot of content that we're making there. And we're on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and other uh, podcast sites. So, yeah, for, feel free to listen in if you want to hear more from me. And uh, if you want to hear some extra voices about the CPL on some players, some analysts. We've had Alex Gungay-Rusik on as well. Yeah, head on over and listen. All the support would be much appreciated. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Really enjoyed the episode so far. You guys are doing a great job. And it, there needs to be more coverage out there for the CPL. As I mentioned, we'll get you on chatting about Vancouver FC's halfway point of the season soon as well. They're just four games away from that. But yeah, you heard our chats there, our thoughts about where the Whitecaps are at this halfway point of the MLS season. What does sporting director Axel Schuster make of the team at this stage of the season? Well, we'll find that out after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Top of the morning, trapped in the crap I was born in Laughed at the man in his warning Tanked on a jack in a bourbon Stabbed to the organ Grasped by a ratting informant Now I'm running for the law for my life bro Go to boss the end of all so I might know Cause I feel as though I'm walking a tightrope Robbing at night with the prosies and winos Where the time go? 49, whoa I become a right joke A sideshow, then my light slow Cause I thought I heard the corpals Keep a chopper at my side close I'm a wanted man with a brass can Hoys bams can dance on a fat one Black mask in the dark, splat blam 
Batman, tap dance, clap your hands, did a dash to the hamper, my master plan. Take a casket before I get captured, man. I couldn't get a fuck with these bastards, one. I'm the last of the outlaws riding alone. Talking to town, talk shit in its own. Oh, I've got straw hiding my chrome. On the road all night on my own, better drop the tone or you'll get strong goes to the dome with my cautious, no? Be cautious, bro. I dig a long hole like a pro when I offer full. Murdering crews, drunk on the booze, fucking my hoors, humming the blues. Wick a one, two, but buckle my shoe, honey, run for the screws and I've nothing to lose. Outlaw, outlaw, sound of sirens. Nino, Nino, down with violence. Come on, come on, out the tyrants. Through the fog, the dogs, the dogs found the pirates. Outlaw, outlaw, sound of sirens. Nino, Nino, down with violence. Come on, come on, out the tyrants. Through the fog, the dogs, the dogs found the pirates. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the second track that has been released ahead of Glasgow rapper Mog's 10th album. Played the first track last week. We mentioned that every week in the build-up to the album, which is now nine weeks away, that one track is going to get released every week until the release date. That is the second track, Outlaw, On The Run, beat production from Prophet 64, recorded in Leith and mixed by friend of the show, A Word SOS. Check out the album when it comes out, check out the stuff on YouTube and wherever you get your music from. Highly recommend checking out Scottish Hip Hop, the YouTube channel. It's got all weird stuff and the stuff that comes out on the Sons of Scotland record label. I mentioned last week, I, I don't know if I'm going to play all the songs as they get released or kind of keep some till the album gets released and have Mog as Artist of the Month, but really liked that track. Wanted to play it for you. I mean, it mentions Pirates and Outlaws, ties in with our TSS Rovers affiliation as well. So all good. Hope you enjoyed it. Check out the rest of the stuff. So in the first two parts, Felipe and myself dug into our thoughts on Vancouver Whitecaps at this midway point for them in the MLS season. Let's hear how those at the club are feeling, or in particular, Sporting Director and General Manager Axel Schuster got a chance to sit down with Axel for an in-depth chat on Monday afternoon about all things that's happened so far, a little look ahead to the future, could there be new additions coming to the squad in the summer? We'll cover all of that, a lot more, so go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy our chat with Axel S. So Axel, as always, thank you so much for giving up your time to, to chat to us today. How, how have you been enjoying this little break? It seems to have been the first time for months that you've actually had some time to probably gather your thoughts of everything that's been happening. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, um, especially because also my family uh, came back and arrived back in Vancouver, so my wife and my daughter, so we spent some time together. But other than that, it wasn't completely quiet. Uh, we were just discussing and working on some things on the business side as we have to improve in every single area of this club. And uh, I have also used the time to be at BC Place this weekend as a guest 
what is also nice to go in a, into our stadium as a guest without having the pressure of a game and without having a full schedule. And I was also a guest speaker for the 40th anniversary of BC Place. So and I could meet a lot of people. I could also look how other organizations doing uh, in the stadium and how they approach certain things. And there is nothing wrong with learning from others and taking ideas. So it was quite relaxed, quite busy, but uh, it was actually a very good meet moment in, in the mid-season now. I, I was going to ask you about attendances a bit later, but I, I'll mention that now because obviously the Lions had a fantastic turnout for, for their opener. Now, it's always different when it's the first game of the season, when you've got a concert on beforehand and stuff like that. But what did you learn from your experience there and, and how the team kind of marketed it? Because I, I feel like you guys have worked so hard, especially around the Canadian Championship finals the last two years, to try and get that fan base back, to try and get the, the crowds up. Was there anything that you saw that they did that you think, you know what, we could maybe try that ourselves? Look, I saw a lot of things we cannot copy and paste. Uh, we cannot start our season in summer yeah. <laughs> later in the year when the weather is better and having an early game and, and the street was packed in the sun. Amazing day with people uh, who are enjoying the, the pre-match show and all of that. We will never get there. Our season starts earlier. We play far more games than the Lions. We also have a league that has stole different rules and restrictions around um, ticketing, pricing, and also comp tickets. Uh, so there are certain things we cannot do. But obviously, um, they do a great job in marketing their first game or marketing this one game. At, at, and I don't want to say it's exclusively only for this game. Um, with a concept around the games. And we have to understand and see what uh, people would like to see from us on that side that we can do with a later kickoff as well. That's the other thing we have to understand, um, that not everything is, is the same with us and them. But again, um, there are certain other areas we are also looking into. And it's um, um, what I said before, that um, we we have to understand why people um, giving us the support at certain moments and at certain moments they have a hard time to to come and this goes with no show rates that goes also with tickets sold we had a very good outcome in in uh, and a very good number um, for the for the home opener at the beginning of the season our number for the Canadian Championship final was good because it was a midweek game uh, also that is something you cannot compare with what the Lions had now uh, at this weekend and um, we expect to have a really good outcome uh, for our next home game uh, against the Sounders again that is also our pride game and we have to 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 work on to make the games more accessible for, for people. And I'm not speaking only about pricing structures. Um, we are speaking about a lot of other things. We're working, for example, with um, um, the local public transport. If we can find a solution to, to um, uh, offer fans uh, include the, the, the transport included into the ticketing, for example, because what I also have understood uh, and, and heard is it's hard with the parking here and the prices of parking and, and also the traffic around the games 
in and out. And with our games being so late, um, that's that's another issue because it takes you for a long time to get home after a game and um, maybe to, to find ways there. We were working on a concept for the, for the uh, Canadian Championship final, but it wasn't possible for that game. But we will continue to push on every single area, on areas that we also see in other MLS teams. This is, for example, an, an area that works very well for other MLS teams that have their stadium downtown. And um, there are a lot of other things to come, um, but nothing is, is easy to implement. We also have to respect that we have a contract with DC Place that is still going until 2026 and that that comes with some um, brackets um, of what we can do and what we cannot do. Um, and we are also working with the league. We are working with the league um, on on single games, on on the league's cup game. Um, we have looked what we could do differently for the Canadian Championship. We have done things differently for the Canadian Championship. Um, we had the no feast days. So again, um, this is this is a few things we have done, um, and we have a lot of more in the pipeline. I'm always convinced not to try everything at the same time because we also have to understand what works. If you do five things at the same time, you after that, you don't know what of that was really the, the, the driver of maybe more ticket sales. And, um, and then I have also to say that we have been not super fortunate with our schedule <laughs> um, because... Yes, if you play the Canadian Championship final and you push for it and you make it like the biggest game for the first half of the year, and it was the biggest game because it gave us another title, the, the title of Canada, um, then it is obviously hard to, at the same time, to create the, the same attraction for a game a few days before. And we had a lot of home games in a row uh, uh, in a week, like uh, three games in seven days, and then we don't have a home game for, for two months. So, yeah. Um, this is, is, is not ideal. Um, and again, um, I, 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 there's one other thing I, that I want to mention here uh, because it's a good platform also to speak about it. Thank you for the, for the many emails that I've received. And I think it was, other than on, on a real sporting issue, it was the topic that I have received the, the highest amount of emails as a reaction to what I say in the public. On we want to work on making the games more accessible. Also, although we think that our pricing isn't the isn't the problem because our pricing is actually in MLS one of the lowest, but that doesn't mean that everyone can afford the game. So I said, look, we want to do something for families. We want to do something for people that cannot afford to come that often. Although our pricing isn't isn't crazy uh, compared to to other uh, teams in our competition, but. Um, then I got a lot of reactions of people saying, look, for families, Saturday 7.30 is not ideal. Yeah. And this is something yeah. this is something we cannot change in this season. But obviously, uh, we are not alone in this. And um, there are other teams that have brought up similar issues. And other teams are super happy with playing at 7.30 because that is a better fit for their market. The times are not free to select from the MLS teams. So it is a, it's, a, it's a bigger approach from from the broadcaster and MLS, but I can tell everyone that we are also working with other clubs together. Um, if there are options, not every single game, because it is aligned somehow in the big uh, Apple MLS schedule, but to, to get a little more uh, um, options where we can play at a different time. And we have done this year once against uh, Dallas at home, and we have seen a bigger crowd at that game. And MLS also wants us to 
sell more tickets to get more people into the stands. And we will also use that as uh, as a driver mm -hmm. or as an argument to 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 work on on this front. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the 7.30 kickoffs, but I don't have any kids. So it's it for me, it's it works differently. But obviously, families. I can tell you as a as a as, I can tell you as a father of a five-year-old daughter, this is the time where she normally falls asleep, and uh, it is not very helpful for the peace of your Sunday if you have your kids up until ten in the night, and then <laughs> on Sunday the, <laughs> you have you have to make up for that on Sunday. No. Yes, I get that, and uh, I have. I also received emails from people on the island who said, yeah. "At 7:30, we are not ever making it back." So, look, um, there will never be an ideal scenario that fits for everyone. Well, and uh, there are also people like you who like 7:30. The question is, can we get a little bit more relaxation on some of the rules to to offer better options for everyone who wants to follow the white caps? Because one thing that I have learned over the last weeks and again in this even the months is there is a big group of white cap supporters in our market there are 20,000 people showing up on a on a Wednesday night mm -hmm. where it is very tricky it's all too late the next day is school the next day is work and we had more than 20,000 in for the home openers so the people are there we had last year games with more than 20,000 people the people are there the question that we are working on is how can we make them coming more often? Yeah. Maybe because we have to offer a better product or a, a, a different product for them because they cannot afford or we have to find other time slots that work better. Maybe we have also to work on some other things around the stadium, before the game, uh, during the game. Uh, and obviously one thing that, that always helps, and we have seen that last year when we went onto this run and were fighting for the playoffs again, is to be successful on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, that's always going to help. And I'll, I'll get to the on-pitch stuff in a, in a little bit, because as I say, I wasn't going to start off with this. I was going to kind of end talking about this, but it, it's interesting to me because we've talked about the challenges that you now face in that the team's playing attractive football it's it's good to watch it's a good atmosphere the people that are going are enjoying it again and they're coming back and there's nothing that you can do about this now but you've got this gap coming up after the next three home games where you've got two months where it's kind of like out of sight out of mind a little bit because you don't have a home game your games aren't going to just be on tsn the away games that you've got either so are you concerned with this summer period, that all the momentum that you've got to now and all the goodwill and the people coming in might easily get forgotten over this summer? Or are you just going to have to work a little bit harder to make sure that come September and October, you're getting all these people back again? Look, I don't think that I'm concerned about uh, getting forgotten. Um, also, we have the League's Cup game at home, another game that gives us a little bit of uh, possibilities to experiment a little things a few things because it's a different competition a different setup it's also a totally different opponent uh, with uh, the actual champion of the champions league of Concacaf. yeah um, so we will also build something around that i i am 
I'm I'm not concerned about anything. I said that before. I always see everything as a challenge. I um and a, a, a challenge for us as an organization to do something better, good, to to find good ideas, to be creative. I think uh, if we if we uh, if we if you continue to play the soccer that we play, we are right now number one in the league on producing chances and and, and goal shots. If you continue to 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 play that successful soccer that we have played in the first half of the season with this against schedule and this amount of games, an amount of games that no other team had this season. Um, no, there's no other team in MLS that had to play so many games, including on the road, other than LAFC uh, with their Champions League games. Um, so then, then we will have a story of success. We will have positive news also at the time where we are not playing at home and people can follow us. There are platforms, um, platforms actually that makes it way easy to follow our games um, because you have no restrictions wherever you are, mm-hmm. wherever you are going to vacation. We also will see in summer that a lot of people leave the city to go for vacation and, and they can still follow us. So we have to find ways to stay connected with the people and to tell them what we are doing um, or what this club is doing on the pitch and also off the pitch. Um, I'm a strong believer that we have to be more than a soccer club. Um, the club will continue to to raise his voice for important topics. Uh, our pride matches coming up versus uh, Seattle. We have uh, some other initiatives that we will do in the summer season that are off pitch initi- initiatives. Where I think that uh, they they will also create some awareness. And uh, at the end, we play 17 games at home uh, in the league. And uh, if we have a few later in the season, that might be also good because uh, then we are getting closer to the playoffs and that means something, those games. And uh, then we can attract people. Last year, we have seen we had three games at home in the last four and in all three games we had a good crowd, although we have played that well before. So um, you have also to see also the positive things. Um, um, long story short, um, we are aware of that and, and we are working on, on every single detail um, that, uh, that you have brought up and that we are aware of how we can connect better with our fans and how we can deliver more and better content to our fans. Looking at the on-pitch stuff then, at, at the, this point last year, the team is now one point better off, but two places above the playoff line as opposed to being below it, which we were at this point last year. One less win, but ultimately one more point. If you're looking at this first half of the season, these first 17 games, just in the league, obviously know the success uh, in the other competitions, but looking just at the league play, what's your thoughts on this first half of the season? How happy are you with how this first 17 games have gone? I don't know if I'm happy. Actually, we are all not happy with the results because we think that our performance was better than the results. Um, and all the stats are proving that. And I think a lot of the reactions that I have also received, and, and if I speak with people here in, in, in Vancouver, a lot of people are saying the same thing. They say, look, if you would have won this game, you were so much better. You could have won this one and you could have won that one. And, and they, there too, we could have won our home opener easily. I think at halftime, I was uh, walking around the concourse because I had to go to a meeting. A lot of people were were, were actually applauding uh, me for the performance of the first half. But at the end, we had no point. Uh, we have played an outstanding game in Minnesota and could have easily won that game as well. Look, um, we have actually 
we had to pay a little bit for the amount of games in uh, lately in the mm-hmm. league um, because we wanted to win the Canadian Championship. And we had to play 11 games in 37 days. If somebody does the calculation, this is less than four days between two games. Uh, and and uh, it is not like in a, in a balanced league with a cap, it's not like you have rosters like uh, the European Champions League teams that have to play the such a schedule or more easily than play a complete second lineup. We wanted to take every game serious. And we have even in the Canadian Championship against the CPL teams, we have always brought a very, very strong lineup onto the pitch. Uh, we had a week where we had to travel um, more than 24 hours within seven days uh, combined. So one full day, more than one full day was only travel because we went to the east in Toronto um, to play York there. And then we went very, very south to Texas um, to play um, uh, Dallas there. So all of all of that, um, wasn't ideal to always perform on the highest level, to to always bring 100% of focusing, concentration, and all of that. And that is natural. So I have to accept that. And I can say, although we are not super happy with the points that we have con- uh, that we have got for gotten for the for the performance that we have shown, it is still the better better way to 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 be in the season because if you can. If you can uh, trust your performance and you know that you can perform on such a high level um, and you continue to do this um, the best you can do, you normally should not get less points in the second half of the season. You should actually get even more points with less uh, games scheduled in the second half of the season. And then we should end where we want to end because we we wanted to compete in every competition um, as good as we can. Uh, we have won one, and we are in, a, in in our main competition, the MLS. We are on track to go to the playoffs, and um, then then we will have to see how far this goes with playoffs schedule and 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 the play, playoffs um, uh, methodics changing this year. This would yeah. give us definitely a home playoff, an amazing home uh, situation for us. Uh, having a home playoff that uh, I think also can push us. Uh, it's hard to play us here in Vancouver. And then we would have to see how far we can go. In between, we will play the Leagues Cup, a new competition that is also an interesting competition. And we have with uh, the Galaxy and and um, the uh, actual champion of the Champions League, two attractive opponents in in the group stage. And still, we want to go and and to get out of the group stage, and then to see in a in a knockout uh, playoff competition to go as deep as we can. So. There are still a lot of highlights for the second half of the season, and I think um, we are prepared for that. We have we have shown that we can compete with everyone. Um, we have shown that we can grab points from everyone. A very tired uh, Whitecaps team could compete with one of the best teams in MLS so far this season with Cincinnati. And um, that should give us the confidence to to grab enough points to get into a good playoff spot and to compete in, in the other competition. The road form. I've got to ask you about that. It's been over a year since uh, I went in the league on the road. I mean, you're not alone this season because Toronto, another Canadian team, interestingly, are one of the three teams that haven't won on the road. What do you put that down to? And... I know you guys, you put so much work into the best time to fly, the best time to eat, body clock adjustment. I mean, nothing seems to have helped to produce this win. 
obviously, if there was an easy answer, you would you'd be doing it. But I mean, has it just become a psychological thing almost now? No, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I think actually we had we have played a far better home uh, road games this year than we have played last yeah. year. Last year we had a lot of games where we looked really terrible. Uh, we looked very badly prepared and not very competitive. We have grabbed some points on the road, also not easy points. Um, um, so far, we haven't really, we couldn't really pull uh, a, a win on the road right now. And obviously, we will try to to change that on Wednesday against Colorado. Um, but I also have to say, travel wasn't easy for us so far. Um, we we went to Honduras and had to go from Honduras straight to another road game. We had to go midweek to to Dallas, for example. This is crazy, and I, I everyone knows that travel for Canadian teams is more heavy and more difficult yeah. than for for the US teams. And also, everyone knows that for Vancouver, it's even worse because uh, look, we are playing LA uh, at uh, next weekend, and uh, people say LA it's an easy away trip here in our in our club. People say that's a one of our easy away trips, only two hour forty flight. Um, but the reality is, it's it's a border control, and we we have no advantages on 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 that trip. So we goes to the to the terminal, we go through the official security line to the official um, custom control of the US, and we have to wait for our flight. And so you're on the road for many many hours. That doesn't that isn't an excuse for not pulling a win so far. But what I see so far is that we have been more competitive on the road than we have been last year. Again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. We haven't really um, got the results out of it. I think other than the Portland game, where we really looked destroyed and, and not competitive, we have been competitive in every road game and we could have pulled a better result. We could have won against the Galaxy and we had a one-on-one situation with the goalkeeper one minute before the end of the game, and if we score, it's a win. We could easily have won the Minnesota game because we were far, far ahead of chance as an X goal against Minnesota there, and we, we pulled the tie. So, yes, we, we should have turned two ties into wins, and we would have uh, four points more, and we would have two wins on the road. And and I think the, the overall, we would sit there where we, where we think we should sit uh, with the performance we have shown. But uh, again, it, it, this is a, is a long season. This is only the half of the season. The last time we have made the playoffs, um, we were last at the half of the season and we still made it into the playoffs. So I would say the starting position now is far better and uh, our performance is okay. So let's let's um, put the bar higher and, and try to, to jump over the bar and to get into a good playoff spot. Do you feel the squad that you have just now is going to be sufficient to get you there? Or do you see this being a summer with some movements in it, either players going out as well as coming in? Or are, are you definitely looking to strengthen over this summer? Okay, if everyone's healthy and we have all got to, together, I think the, I would say the squad definitely is strong enough to, to bring us into a good playoff spot. Um, this team has so far the highest amount the, uh, of, of X goals created. We have also the player who has created the highest X goal. We have the number three and five in the league are on creating chances. So our our offensive output is is within the top three in this league. And it's probably, it, it's, it's a critical piece to get into the players. Our defensive performance is 
slightly above average in the league, but in total actually definitely brings you into the playoffs. The, the thing is, because we had to rotate a little bit because of the, the schedule, and also injuries happen, and then and you, you don't have all, all the time all your players available, then you have, you have to uh, survive those games. And we have seen that now with LAFC, and their top striker wasn't there, and that wasn't wasn't great for them, but it was also not great for everyone else who's competing in the in the middle of the pack of the Western Conference because the team actually got six points against LFC. Yeah. Um that you maybe are not getting at another point. So we have also to to be very careful that we have our players always in a in ready that 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 we that we avoid injuries. And said that and coming back to your question, if there is something in the market that can help us to to uh, give us a little bit more protection for such such moments, to give us a little bit more depth in in case we we need, um, we will do it. We don't feel an urgent need for any position in the roster um, because if we play our best lineup, um, we definitely can compete and can beat everyone. Um, but. Um, we, if there is a chance to protect ourselves for the second half of the season with the high aims we have, we will look into that. But uh, again, uh, I have brought that up earlier. We also see um, um, that players that are performing very well in MLS Next Pro can also yeah. give us this additional additional push. And we have had Levante starting in the Canadian Championship, and he did a very good job. Um, but now Levante. Uh, for example, but also GC and Gando that we have drafted before yeah. the season are top are sitting top in the stats in MLS Next Pro in in their in their positions. So um, we will also not do anything that will block those talented players. And we have more. We have Copeland. We have Gloria Manda. We have Michal, a left back that I I think is very very interesting for the, for the age because he's uh, um, still a new eighteen player this year. Um, we have we have Masi who was unfortunately injured, who is um, uh, Finlinda, Masi, mm. Dazovic, uh, Karifa, uh, Matteo. We have so many center backs also um, that all have played very well. Um, and and yes, so we had uh, two players um, at the U20 World Cup uh, who have performed there. So. Yeah. We don't want to block. We don't want to block any of those talents as well. So it has to be a very good fit. Somebody who gives us some protection in 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 Mrs. Versatility, and at the same time is not blocking one of our talents. I was going to mention Levante. So his four call ups have now been used. So it's either if you still want him to use him in the first team this year, you need to give him a deal, or it needs to wait to next year. But then you you've got him performing well. But then you've got your DP striker that isn't performing. Does that put you in a little bit of a quandary? Because then if you give Levante a deal and he starts to light it up and Sergio isn't, then you're, you know the questions that you're going to get. I guess that Levante will at some point on this season get over the allowed numbers of call-ups with only an, having an MLS Next Pro contract. But we have prepared for that because last year we had the issue that Ali Ahmed, that we also wanted to call up more often, couldn't get called up because we had not enough open and available roster spots. Mm. So we have prepared for that. We have, before the season, we have said we want to add 
more capacity in scouting and approaching players in, for having better talent in MLS Next Pro. And at the same time, we want to keep roster spots open that if somebody shows up in a very good way, we can give him an MLS next uh, an MLS contract so that he is eligible. But you have to earn it. So if yeah. Lewanda is the first player who earns it this year, it is a great story of success. And it's exactly what we have discussed before the season and what we want to do. And it should encourage everyone else in MLS next door to do the same and to follow him and to 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 knock at the door to also get a contract. And there is, there are enough spots open for talented players that show up in the right way, and that 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 show performances that qualifies them to play the amount of games or to be called up in the roster uh, the the amount of times that you need a new contract. Does that create problems with our DP striker? I have to say that his last game was his by far best game since oh, he yeah. is here. Yeah, I I have said it before that. I want to ask everyone to give him a little bit more time because he came in very late. His is uh, playing right or his he, his final the final signature under his contract happened after our whole, after our all preseason so he couldn't really train with the team in preseason. Then he got very quickly injured and had to pause for a long time and now he was making back his way into a team that was playing very well and and a team that plays a quite of a different style than his former teams have played, RSL and also Augsburg. And we have seen that before. I have still, and I have kept that just as a remembrance. I still have an email from a supporter that he sent me after Brian White has played his fourth game for us. And he sent me an email to tell me that that was a very dumb move that we have done, and that we have <laughs> that we have trans- that we have sent far too much money to the Red Bulls. I would say it has played out in a way for me. If I look at the email, I don't say that that will always be the case, but I also want to remind everyone that it sometimes takes time to adapt to the way we play. And we always have said that is the first thing. The team is more important than an individual player. We will not change our approach of playing for an individual player. We believe in the strengths of Sergio, his size, his physicalness, his speed. And I would say in the last game, he has won several balls in pressing. And because he has done this run with his speed, we got the penalty kick and uh, he got fouled in the box and and we, we tied the game. So he was an important piece in our last game against a very, very good team. And I, I I think it will help us all to push him a little bit into the right direction and giving him a little bit more confidence um, to really find out if he is not a good fit for us. And having enough and more than, than more good strikers than you have spots in the team is never a problem because strikers are those, is this position where you always have to change, where you always can change after 60 minutes. We have with Simon Betcher, another one who's scoring like almost every time he's getting a foot on the pitch. Um, Levante did very well. If Sergio is now finally growing and, and feeling better in the system and, and can show his, his, his skills, with Brian White, Daiba Casedo coming back, it's it's never a problem to have more more than than sports players that can score and 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 create something in the offense. 
And um, then I'm then if everyone is performing at its best, I'm super confident that we are not only just getting into the playoffs, that we get a very good playoff spot higher up in the rankings. There's two top performers, you could say, that have contracts coming up. Julian Gressel on the pitch, who's just been absolutely outstanding this year. Vanny off the pitch, who is obviously at the end of his deal. Would you foresee new deals being agreed with both of them before the end of the season? Or is that something you need to wait till the end of the season to, to look at that? Look, um, it's always finding a good balance because waiting too long is not good. Uh, approaching too early is not good. Approaching at the moment where everyone is on a high is expensive. Um, but look, I, I better approach, I, I like to approach things if they are on the high because I, want, I don't want the high to stop. Um, um, I the the thing with the top performers is also that they sometimes want to wait to get into a better position yeah. for the more dollars they want to ask for. Um, I can I can guarantee everyone that um, that this is nothing that is not already um, in discussions and it's not already on the table uh, and uh, we are working on this. But look, we we have to find um, a good solution for everyone, and um, with those who are your top performers, this takes more time. Um, that is the bigger piece of work that you have to do, um, and for a reason, because um, the stronger a negotiation position is, and the more difficult it is to to get to a very good solution at the same time for the cap or for um, your overall budget. But um, I'm um, spending a lot of time into it and um, I'm uh, remaining optimistic that we uh, will find solutions and definitely uh, there is no one waiting until the end of the season. The addition of Yohi has, has been excellent and... I look at a club like Celtic in Scotland that's had a lot of success bringing in Japanese players. Is that Asian market a market that you feel is a little bit untapped? And without tipping your hand and getting other clubs thinking, oh, if they're looking there, we should look there. Are you looking at these kind of more unusual markets that maybe aren't the traditional markets that players come to MLS from? Yeah, maybe a little bit untapped for a reason. Uh, there are several markets a little bit untapped because of the, the, the Asian markets, the, the big Asian markets, Japan and South Korea, are also not very cheap markets. So the, the, the clubs there um, the clubs there pay good salaries and they also ask for good transfer fees. So it, is, it isn't that easy to, to, to get players from there in a on a in a cap friendly uh for a cap friendly dollar amount um and the other thing is that traditionally because they have a lot of talent and a lot of good players traditionally a lot of those players move straight to europe from from those markets already you also have to find the player like yohei who sees mls as a right step in between or as a step for him in a career in, in the long term. He was super successful and uh, was the goalkeeper of the year and mm -hmm. was super successful in the Japanese league. And uh, But Yohei also, was also a player who already spoke English fluently, who was 
also openly looking into our market. Um, there, you also find a lot of players that that say, "Look, mm, I, I, I'm good with playing here one, two more years, and then I would try to jump from here to to uh, to a European league." And a lot of the Japanese goalkeepers actually have done that in the past, and then play, for example, in Belgium um, or comparable leagues. So I would say, yes, it's a league where that translates very well towards our league. So either the South Korean or the, the, the Japanese league, players from there, I think, translate very well into our league. And performance-wise, this gives you some form of security, but it also costs you uh, a little bit more dollars and you have to find the player who is open for it. Last thing, Messi. Obviously, coming to MLS by the looks of it. I mean, nothing's been confirmed yet, but I'm sure when the fixtures come out next year, every fan of every club's going to be looking to see if Miami's going to be coming to their city. That's not what I want to ask you about, and I don't want to ask you about the pitch either at BC Place, but when I spoke to Don Garber a couple of years ago, I asked him why Vancouver had never had an all-star game. And he said, it's there for Vancouver. Whenever they want an all-star game, they've just to say, and they can have it as part of their coming into the league. With Messi coming into the league, would next year not make sense for Vancouver to have that all-star game? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that... I, I think actually the timeline for the next year's all-star game is probably already over. Um, um, we We are also having that on our table and we're discussing that there are some interesting or i would actually say amazing news are coming uh, with the world cup because um the the surface of our stadium will change for the world cup mm -hmm. and um as far as i un have understood uh, all the discussions so far and, and i'm sitting there at the table um, there should be also a tryout period for the new surface before, Ooh. and uh, we are we are in this discussion right now with uh, with um, with PC uh, Place and with uh, FIFA and with the city and the province. We're sitting there at the table. What can we do around the the big event coming to our town? And um, obviously, this is another topic that uh, I have brought up to the agenda. If not, if there is not a combination of having a new surface, having uh, World Cup games in Vancouver, um, having this amazing stadium prepped and actually also somehow over uh, or renovated or um, prepared for for big soccer events, um, that I it sounds for me like a great opportunity, but uh, mm -hmm. a little bit down the road. Okay, well. That's great. It's a nice way to end. As always, thank you so much for your time today, Axel, and good luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I, I take also some luck. I think we have been somehow unlucky in the first half of the season. So if, um, like all we always say in soccer, un, uh, unlucky moments and lucky moments will make up for each other within the season. I'm, I'm, I, I see some lucky moments for us also in the second half of the season, and I'm I'm not, I'm not opposed against that. Yeah, well, let's hope so. Whitecaps, General Manager and Sporting Director Axel Schuster there. 
We won't unpack what Axel said in this show. We'll save that for another one because obviously it's already running into quite a long show. We'll let Zach and the rest of you have a listen to that chat and then we'll kind of unpack some of the things that Axel said. So let us know your thoughts on it as well on Twitter at AFTNCanada or shoot us an email AFTNCanada at hotmail.com and we'll chat about those in the next show. Whitecaps back in action on Wednesday night with that game that you feel could break that away hoodoo and get that first win in over a year as they travel to Colorado. We'll talk about that in the next episode as well. So that is pretty much it for the show this week. But of course, we can't go without leaving you with this episode's wavelength. And we're going to a song from 2023 this week. Welsh rapper Knuckle MC and Nature Reserve. This is a track from their album When Tigers Used to Smoke that was released in February of this year. This is something that I keep going on. I wish the Whitecaps had. Big Man Up Front. Here's how my story goes, everybody suffers blows This life is the one I chose, now wipe your tears, blow your nose Half pros, half cons, reaps death, sorrow souls Poetic pros, bullshit jokes, cash flows, god owes Small man up front, I throw elbows This world lives on Peter Crouch, not on the German Defoe's Plain clothes, grown men harass and they dispose Pinocchio's, sometimes I'll bows through my Romanos Nevertheless I'll be around for eternity Wrap your mouth, you yike, bilingually, stunningly Excuse me me, why the fuck you tried to turn to me? Now turn back, that's what you get for assuming. See, my palms are made of PVA. If I put my mind to something, I won't stay away. I slave away to pave the way for all that comes after. It's my time today, remember that. Cause this winner's medal doesn't leave my chest, so deal with that. Now I serve my community like young men. Son, I've expelled my energy and I'm done in. So fuck him and fuck you two for doubting. I won't stand here, you're astounded by the shouting. Now I'm shocked by this shit that I'm surrounding. Take it back to the basics. I haven't felt like this since I was age six So the first time I watched The Matrix Been insane since it was easier Now it's lost now in the ether Now my thoughts are getting creepier As I write down my next guest feature <laughs> Knuckle MC and Nature Reserve Big man up front That's what I want to see at the Whitecaps I, I love... The sort of big man, wee man kind of front duo, I just think it can work so effectively. And it's not something you see very much in the modern day game, which I think could make it even more effective. But that is it now for this episode of the show. It's been very Whitecap centric. We'll mix that up next time around. We're going to talk a little bit about CF Montreal and their kind of midway point of the season. We'll also have Zach on the show to chat about Canada in the, the Nations League, look ahead to the Gold Cup squad that was announced. That's all to come for next time. You can check out all our stuff, as always, on AFTN.ca. Give us a follow on YouTube. 
AFT in Canada on there, check out all our local soccer videos, and of course give us a follow on Twitter if you're not already at AFT in Canada. If you like and enjoy the podcast, please consider subscribing to our extra podcasts. It's $30 a year, $3 a month, or if you can't do that, and I know money's tight for everyone at the moment, leave a nice review for us on whatever your podcast platform is. That helps us out as well. But until next time, as always, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.